Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. From the Apostrophe Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. You're surviving life with Les Stroud. A couple of years ago, I was asked to appear in a documentary that was being made about the subject matter of, wait for it, Bigfoot. If you're not aware, I produced a 10-part documentary series myself called Survivor Man Bigfoot. You can see it right now, actually, on my YouTube channel, Survivor Man Dash Les Stroud. Go check it out. And yes, please subscribe to the channel. It's free and I'll keep them coming. Now, the series itself has gotten a lot of respect over the years, I would guess simply because I treated it like what it was, an actual documentary series, not a reality show like all the others. So a few dudes wanted to interview me for their film. I said, sure, under one condition. I'm not signing anything. And I'm going to record myself at the same time and do what I want with it. I don't know whatever happened to their film. I don't think it ever got made. Anyway, they don't have my signature, so there you go. And here we go. I better set the stage for you. This first part of this three-part discussion, or rather one-sided conversation, is when we were still driving in the Jeep looking for a place to sit and film the interview proper, so you'll hear the rumble of the car in the background. But as I listen back to this now, kind of feels like we get a chance to listen in on a private conversation we weren't supposed to hear. And I got a chance to speak about a lot of matters concerning the subject of Sasquatch. Consider this part one of our chat just the beginning, the tease, if you will, for what I will get into in parts two and three. So sit back and listen in, and maybe, just maybe, you'll find this endearing topic of discussion interesting. These are the words of, well, again, me. Everybody wants their version to be the definitive version. What's the truth? I'll tell you what the truth is. None of us have a freaking clue what they are. We don't know. We don't know what they are, what they do, why they are, and that's what's just kind of freaking everybody out because everybody wants to lay claim. I'll never say, this is what they do, man. This is what they do. Until one's standing right here and we're interviewing and Jimmy Fallon has them on the show, we're not going to know. You can't make claims. Life was made for living. And dreams were made to fly. These two were meant for something better So they turned their backs on easy And into the northern wilds they wandered It's the stupidest way to frame the question, period. Do you believe in Bigfoot? It's got nothing to do with belief. It's got to do with plausibility. 
science, reality. Nothing of this world could stop them, could ever take away these dreams of yesterday. It didn't shake me. I think that Bigfoot encounters that people have, I'm sure there are those definitive oh my gosh, I'm looking straight at one, or the big thing comes cracking through the woods sort of encounters. But I think there's a much larger majority of people who encounter this little thing and that little thing, and then two years later, this thing, and then they hear that thing a year later, and, and after a while, you start to put it all together and go, wait a second. And that's more my story. You know, Bigfoot didn't jump out of the bush one day and say hi to me. The first experience was spending entire year in the forest and my ex-wife and I were camping and we heard this heavy, heavy bipedal stepping. Basically, when I say bipedal stepping, it sounded like a man, a very heavy man walking in the bush. But we're in the middle of nowhere, absolutely the middle of nowhere in northern Canada, hundreds of miles from civilization. It wasn't a hunting area, nobody was there. I kind of called out when it felt like it was about 50 feet from the tent. It stopped, it slowly turned and it walked away. I know what a bear sounds like when it walks, even when he's walking in his own footprints. I know what a moose sounds like. It wasn't a bear and wasn't a moose. Whatever it was, was upright, heavy, and walking on two feet. And to this day, my biggest regret is that I didn't unzip the fly of the tent and look out. But I was, the hair was up on the back of my neck and it freaked me out. And we both just looked at each other and said, with kind of zero knowledge of any future interest I might have, and just said, I think that was a freaking Bigfoot. And my, even my wife went, I, I know. And that was it. That was the end of it. That was perceived encounter number one of many. There's the encounter that kind of got me into all of this, which is partly to blame for me being on an interview show in New York, called the Opie and Anthony show, very famous radio talk show. And they were interviewing me about Survivor Man. And then uh, one of them just kind of jokingly said, hey, dude, you ever see Bigfoot out there? And you know, it's that kind of joking question. And I, I will always answer honestly, no matter what interview I'm on, if they ask a certain question. And so he asked, so I went, well, as a matter of fact, and then I told this big long story about the, it sounded like this big, huge gorilla uh, making <laughs> sounds like that in the Alaskan, forest. The thing is, I was filming Survivor Man, and I didn't really want to get caught up in, this, in the Bigfoot thing. I just wanted to film Survivor Man and all my survival stuff. So when I heard that five times out in the forest, and then it taking off and crashing through the trees like a freight train, I just went, huh, okay. Well, that was interesting. And it wasn't a grizzly bear. So that set me off on this path. The reality is that I've had several encounters. And when I say encounters, experiences in the forest, in places that where there's supposed to be Bigfoot, and the experiences, I cannot account for these experiences. I can't say it was a moose, or an elk, or a cougar, or a bear, and I know those animals very well. And that's what I mean by encounters, and many small encounters. It's just these things that happen, you're like, okay, come on, really? I think that's the more prominent situation is if people travel in the wilderness a lot, they get a lot of different little encounter-type experiential 
things that happen that they can't put their finger on. And if they have enough experience and knowledge about natural phenomena and wildlife, they can categorize and say, that weren't no bear kind of thing. That's what a lot of people say, which is different from the person who has the big reveal, the Bigfoot standing on the trail 50 feet in front of them. It's the stupidest way to frame the question, period. Do you believe in Bigfoot? It's got nothing to do with belief. It's got to do with plausibility, science, reality, belief. No, I mean, you might as well talk about fairies and angel dust and ghosts and uh, Harry Potter, if you like. But this isn't about believing in something. This isn't Santa Claus. Is this plausible? Is it realistic? Is there science behind it that can back it or would be willing to back it? There's so much anecdotal reference that we always turn to. But one thing I will not ever answer is the question, do you believe in Bigfoot? I mean, that's, you know, at the party. Hey, dude, man, they believe in Bigfoot. Conversation's over. If someone goes, do you think this is possible? Ah, now we have a discussion. So don't ask me if I believe in Bigfoot. It's the wrong question to ask. Is it plausible? Well, now that's, that's a different question. I would say that I stand pretty firmly in a bracket that says, well, it's plausible. Realistic? Yeah, it could be scientifically realistic. Is there enough room for them to live out there in the what? Yeah, there's, there's enough room. And I can explain all that in greater detail, but when you're just having the quick conversation, these perspectives, could something like that exist out there today? Sure it could. It's the short answer. As much as I'm, I, you know, be the first one to make great claims that vast tracts of land need to be protected before they're gone, at the same time, there are vast tracts of beautiful, pristine, very rarely accessed land. You say, oh, but all the roads, all the, yeah, I know, there's a lot of roads, it doesn't mean people are driving on them. You know, these squiggly little back roads in the mountains, doesn't mean it's not got regular traffic or anything. So when you start to look at that map, when you start to fly over, say, North America, or even just the West Coast, Pacific Northwest, if you are in a small plane and you look down and you say, could something exist down there? The answer, biologically speaking, is absolutely. There's plenty of food and water and biological necessities are met in that place. The next part of the question is the difficult part. That's where it starts to get detailed. How, what do they eat, where do they live, and most importantly, how many there are there? Well, you know, uh, uh, you never see this, or you know, the, you get the skeleton question. Well, 60,000 black bears in Ontario, Canada. I've never seen a black bear skeleton, and I hardly ever get to see a black bear. So are there 60,000 Sasquatch, you know, in the same area? Well, if they exist, there's probably only 1,000. It compounds, the complexity of it compounds because 1,000 what? Highly intelligent, almost human-like, very secretive, bury their dead, hide in caves, use telepathy to communicate, recognize what cameras strapped on trees actually are. Who knows? Big dumb apes? Sure, we'd have one in a zoo. And that's the one thing I, I always like to go with the apes thing is, if they were just big apes and even big smart apes, we'd have one in a zoo, guaranteed. But we don't. So you have to start looking at other attributes. And so you see, you can say, could these things live in Glacier National Park? Sure, but it just, it spirals into a whole bunch of other questions.
From my album, Wonderful Things, Barn Sessions 1 and 2, this is a song written about the year I spent living in Northern Ontario in the bush where, yes, we had some kind of weird experience with some kind of creature. We'll never know. This is Northern Wilds. I can take you with me But I can't take you home She'd never known such total passion The way he touched her fingers The way he let them go On the two-travel To the northern wilds Past waterfalls Tumbling rapids Across the lakes in stillness Beneath the eagle's cry They'll wander Nothing of this world Could stop them Could ever take away Dreams of yesterday They made love beneath the starlight Wrapped in northern lights The caribou could hear them whisper The wolf would keep them company Calling in the night even in the winter When most folks stay indoors They rode upon wood and rawhide Along the frozen highways The creeks and forest trails They wandered Nothing of this world could stop them could ever take away these dreams of yesterday. Life was made for living Dreams were made to fly These two were meant for something better So they turned their backs on easy And into the northern wilds they wandered These two were meant for something better so they turned their backs on easy And into the northern wilds They wandered Nothing of this world could stop them Could ever take away These dreams of yesterday 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're surviving life with Les Stroud. It's hard to answer any question about Bigfoot quickly, concisely, and definitively. And when somebody does, they're full of crap. They don't know what they're talking about. This is the big tricky question to answer. Why don't we have a body? You know, there's quite a few people that would simply say, well, we have had bodies. How come they never shot? They have been shot. Oh, no one ever hits them with a car. They have been hit by cars. There are lots of stories of having bodies, them getting shot, them, uh, and uh, or getting hit by cars. So the general public doesn't know that. There's no body on display. Well, but historically speaking, there's actually been quite a few. It's hard to answer the question, how come they've never had a body? Well, there is no never about this. They've been there. So... And you get down the, the rabbit hole of, is there a cover-up? Boom, off on a new, a new road there that, that keeps going. That's the thing about Sasquatch, Bigfoot, the phenomenon. It's a slippery slope down a rabbit hole that shoots off into 50 rabbit holes. Well, the infighting in the Bigfoot community is based on a lot of egos is based on the fact that a lot of people want to be the person who definitively proves the existence of Bigfoot. Other people feel they're spiritually entwined with Sasquatch and they have a message for the humanity and they want to be the bringers of that message and for their forest friends. And others, you know, want to hunt and, and kill it and bag a body and get it stuffed and put it in the Smithsonian. The infighting in the Bigfoot community is pathetic. There's just so many egos involved. And if someone mentions telepathy, all the eight people go, no, no, don't say that. Scientists will disrespect it. If someone mentions it's just a big ape, oh, you guys are Luddites, you don't know what you're talking about. These things can, they can disappear. And everything in between, and then you can throw aliens into the mix. Uh, so there's, the, they, everybody, wants their, everybody wants their version to be the definitive version. And what's the truth? I'll tell you what the truth is. None of us have a freaking clue what they are. We don't know. We don't know what they are, what they do, why they are. And that's what's just kind of freaking everybody out because everybody wants to lay claim. I'll never say, this is what they do, man. This is what they do. Until one's standing right here and we're interviewing and Jimmy Fallon has them on the show, we're not going to know. 
You can't make claims. There is a real notable difference between the reaction to Bigfoot, Sasquatch, from people on the East Coast versus people on the West Coast. People on the East Coast, it's all like, yeah, sure, yeah, and Loch Ness Monster too. You get a lot of that out in the East Coast. The West Coast's like, yeah, my uncle saw one. Oh yeah, no, my mom swears by it. Oh no, my dad tells a story. Once a year, every year, he tells a story, and we believe him. That's the difference between the West Coast and the East Coast. And that's where we're going to leave this conversation for now, on the West Coast of North America, Bigfoot Central. I did have an earlier experience in the bush that I've never been able to explain, and I had forgotten about it when I was doing this interview. And it was this. I was out on a survival practice session, if you will, with my buddy Doug Getgood, and we went to the Moon River in central Ontario. We found a remote spot, and we built a couple of shelters by a small landlocked lake. Now, he was on one side of a berm, and I was sort of on the other side, so we couldn't really hear each other, but I was close to the water, close to the lake. Sometime around, I don't know, I want to say 11 p.m. or midnight, I heard the most ungodly screams and wailing coming from about three or 400 yards away, sort of on the other side of this small lake. I mean, it sounded like... It sounded like women being tortured in a satanic ritual. It was horrifying. I got up and I went over to, to die. I said, did you hear that? And he didn't hear a thing because he was asleep and he was on the other side of a berm. And, I, and for the first time in my life, I left the bush out of fear. I said, I'm not staying. There's no way I can stay here after hearing that. We got to get out of here. And we walked out in the dark. Now, it's possible that it was just cougar mating or porcupines. I mean, a lot of creatures make a lot of weird sounding horrifying screams and moans and with the right echo off the right rock or across the right body of water, you'd think for sure it was Satan himself. So I have no idea of knowing what those screams were that night on a tiny landlocked lake in the middle of central Ontario near the Moon River, but it was enough to send me out of the woods and back home. I could not get to my car fast enough. Shortly after this chat in the car while driving, we pulled over and sat by the wild and scenic Rogue River. And I'm not kidding. That's what all the marketing slogans say about the Rogue River. And damn if it doesn't live up to its reputation, actually. But I digress. So when we come back for part two, I'll be sitting at the side of the road that follows the Rogue River, and I get a chance to expand on what we were talking about in the car. In the meantime, go check out my actual 10-part documentary series, Survivor Man Bigfoot, right now on my YouTube channel, Survivor Man Dash Les Stroud. Scan the playlists for Bigfoot. I don't know what size feet Keith Oman has, but he's a damn good engineer to make a podcast recorded in a car sound great. We, and whenever I say we, I mean I, am a member of the Apostrophe Podcast Network, a group of people with very big feet. Stick around, everybody. We'll figure this life out together. Oh, wait, hang on. My new series, Wild Harvest, is airing now on American Public Television. Check to see which station's signal reaches your area. And that includes, by the way, Canada. It's all about local foraging. I take you out and teach you what you can gather for a wild edible feast. A feast prepared by a five-star chef, Paul Rogalski. As well, head over to my YouTube channel, Survivor Man Dash Les Stroud, where I'm uploading tons of free content weekly for you to enjoy. 
including Archive, Survivor Man, Survivor Man Bigfoot, Director's Commentaries, and new music just to mention a bit of what's there. The secret, by the way, is to click on the playlists. Lastly, and in time for Christmas, the second printing of my 20th anniversary film collection, featuring 76 films, is available through my website, lesstroud.ca. Okay, thanks. Go ahead. What are you waiting for? Click on subscribe, and then click on something else. Or, go be productive. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.